So in 2015, the CEO of a very successful company bumped into one of his lower-level employees while on a smoke break. They still have those. So um, he was talking to this guy, and he did not seem like he was doing well. So the CEO asked him, hey, what's up? And the employee said, well, I'll be honest with you, you're ripping me off. And he was kind of taken aback a little bit, and he said, so I'm, I'm sorry. What are you talking about? He says, the pay. You're ripping us off. And he says, well, we're paying market rates. He says, I don't know. Whatever, whatever the reason, you're not paying us enough to make a decent living. So I know there's a lot of managers in here. Can't hear me? A lot of CEOs. Okay, I'll just stay here. So there's a lot of CEOs, a lot of managers in here. What if you bumped into one of your lower level employees and they said you're not paying me enough? What would your response be? Okay, you agreed to that, right? Would it be, um, uh, hey, life isn't fair? Would it be, uh, um, hey, if you worked better, maybe you'd get a better salary? Or one thing that my dad used to always say, I am teaching you something far more valuable than money. Have y'all heard that? I wasn't just my dad. <laughs> so he, you know, most guys would have just said, yeah, yeah, whatever. If you want another job, go find it. But he did not do that. He was really concerned about what he saw, what he heard in this guy's voice. And so he really thought about it. He, he had sleepless nights about it. And he asked some of his executive friends about it. He told him, oh, yeah, this is how we responded. And it's some of the things that I just told you. But he did something a little different. He researched and uh, he decided at one point he was going to go ahead and bump all of the starting salaries in his company to $70,000. This guy at the time was making around 30 to 35. So he came out and he said, hey, I'm going to do this. Everybody in this office, the starting salary is $70,000. He uh, got rid of his own bonuses. He uh, drained a lot of his savings account and so that he could provide his people with a decent, fair wage that would make them happy. So immediately, everybody started getting on this guy's case. I mean, all the news, all the radio talk shows, those people whose job it is to rile us up, they did exactly that. And they started calling this guy a socialist, a Marxist, a communist, all the ists that make us really you know, fired up and angry and afraid. And, um, and, but he just kept on going. Six years later, what's fascinating um, is that the company is thriving. The revenue tripled. Their employee base rose by 70%. The customer base doubled. Their staff started to stay. They staff started buying houses for the very first time. They had maybe um, four to five babies out of 160 employees. Now they are having like 10, 11 per year. I mean, people are having babies. They're still expanding. People are paying off debt. It's crazy. Whenever they asked this man about the success, he said, you know, the sacrifice of my salary, because he went down from multiple millions of dollars down to 70000 a year himself. He says the sacrifice of my salary was worth the experiment. Now some people still look at this as foolish. Some people say that's not capitalism, that's socialism. Some people ridiculed him. Even, even people who ridiculed him, some of them good, God-fearing Christians, they forget about the story in Matthew chapter 20. 
Jesus tells a story about a CEO who did something very similar. So I'm going to read this to you in uh, Matthew chapter 20. It's going to be verses 1 through 16. Um, it's a reminder that, that fairness in the kingdom of heaven looks different than fairness does here. In our culture, we pride ourselves on equality and fairness in the workplace. But in the kingdom of heaven, fairness looks different. It's rooted in a love that is oftentimes just doesn't make sense. So let's, let's read this parable. Matthew 20, 1 through 16. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them into the vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And uh, he said to them, you also go into the vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. And when he went out again about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same. At about five o'clock, he went out and found others standing around. And he said to them, why are you standing here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, Call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now, when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner saying, these last worked only for one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day in the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, friend. By the way, if someone grumbled against you and griped, is your response usually, friend? That's amazing. He says, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. Now that's a problematic story. Because it doesn't really seem fair. Now if you were a latecomer, that's great. But if you were the ones who have been there all day long, would you have complained? I would have. I'll be honest. But we need to remember in the kingdom of heaven, fair looks different. It isn't based on ability. It isn't based on qualifications or even the amount of hours that you've worked. It's based purely on the love and the grace of God. The grace and love of the landowner, the king. And you know, the love of the father, sometimes it's hard to understand because sometimes it just doesn't make sense. This entire story is peculiar. I mean, first, this CEO is highly involved. Now, how many CEOs are involved directly with hiring? Now, maybe higher level positions, but day labor? Now, these folks will stay in the same spot all day. You see this around San Angelo, too, and you see this in some of the bigger cities. People will stay in the same areas if you want to hire some day laborers. 
This is what it was like. If you did not work that day, then you probably didn't eat that day. That's how difficult life was. Now, the landowner went out not just once, but he went out five separate times to hire people. And when he found people who were still waiting after an entire day, he had compassion on them. Now, remember, sometimes we get this mixed up and we kind of infer a lot. In this particular text, it does not say that these people are lazy. It does not say they were out all day partying and finally showed up at five. These are people who were waiting to be picked. They just simply hadn't been chosen. I can relate to these people because in elementary school, I was always the last guy to be picked. Oh, fine, Scott, I'll take Scott. It was like the any, mini, miny, mo. You knew at one point someone was going to be last. It's usually me. But that's okay. The landowner didn't look at these guys' resumes. He didn't look and see if they were qualified or he didn't look at their references. He saw people who needed a job, so he hired them. To go out looking for five, five different times for workers may either mean he's got a very big vineyard or it could be maybe he was desperate for people. But what does it say if you are desperate to help somebody? Now every parable has multiple layers of application but usually only one real moral. And the moral of this particular parable is simple. The last will be first and the first will be last. So what we can gather from this is that if you're last to be picked, last in line, last to be thought of, this is good news for you. If you're one who will do anything to be first, if you've cut corners, if you've kind of, um, how do I say this gently, talked badly about someone so you can move a little bit ahead of them, if you're trying to be so hard and work so hard to be better than the next guy, working so that you can have more than everyone else, then this is a problematic story. The reality is that the kingdom of heaven is an upside-down kingdom. Those things that we hold to be valuable down here, they don't really hold up in God's reality. Popularity, money, power, Authority, intelligence, athletic ability, those things are, are, are good, I guess. But in the kingdom of God, they don't really matter. In the kingdom of, of, of earth, they do. People fight and die and struggle for all of those things. But look where it's gotten us. Social classes. Caste systems. If you don't think caste systems still are around, go to different parts of the world and different parts of our country. Racism. Poverty. I mean, we all want so desperately to be better and to be more important, to be wealthier and happier than the next guy, but if we can't be better in performance, then what happens? We claim to be better financially, or we claim to be better ideologically, or politically, even genetically. In the kingdom of heaven, none of this matters. None of it. Those people around us who have it all, 
or seem to have it all. At least that's what they show us in the one sixteenth of a second that we see the image on Facebook. They seem to have everything. Those people that claim the praise and attention, those people who hold on really tight to their money and they grumble about superiority and uh, who's greater. Those people who are more concerned with comfort than they are with comforting, those people are going to be the least in the kingdom of heaven. And if you think, well, at least I'm in heaven. (laughs) Right? Just think about who you see in our culture as least. However, those people who've been picked last, those people who have suffered because of their faith, those people who are stuck in their caste or their class, those people who've been suffering because of their race or their ideology, those people who don't have the advantage or the power of getting ahead at all, those people are going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 16, 25 tells us this very specifically. If we're seeking to save our life, we are going to lose it. But if we're willing to lose our life for the sake of Jesus, then we will find it. So the questions that I have is, does losing your life mean death? Maybe. Sometimes that's, I hate to say it this way, sometimes that's the easy way out. Oh, sure, I'll die for you. But I think in reality, dying and sacrificing and losing your life is really choosing to let go of your way of life for the sake of Jesus. Choosing to let go of your need for superiority or your need for comfort at any cost. Letting go of your life for the sake of someone else. This landowner, he tells us in this story that that his vineyard's not just about getting all the money he can. It's almost like he is doing his job and has this land so that he can help people. I mean, whatever, his purpose is to give back to those people who were working and serving him. This is God here. It really is a change of mindset. It's a change of values. And my question is, are we willing to sacrifice so that others can have life or hope? Could we sacrifice our time for others? Could we sacrifice our money for others? Sure, those, those are relatively easier to do. But could we uh, sacrifice our opinion for others? Could we sacrifice our attention for others? Could we sacrifice our career for others? Even our comfort. Ooh, this is hard. <laughs> but this is exactly what Jesus did. He could have done or been anything. But he chose to give up his way of life for us. While we were still sinners, he chose to give up his life for us. The kind of love doesn't make sense. But in the kingdom of heaven, love is the most valuable currency there is. And now none of us is going to get it all right. 
This is why we need each other. I mean, if we could, we wouldn't need God. God's grace and mercy are also aspects of God's love that are unbelievably amazing. And I don't quite understand them because I don't deserve them. But grace and mercy and love, they're ours. Regardless of when we were called, regardless of when we were chosen, regardless of when we said yes. And I believe when we make it our goal in life to please God, what's going to happen is he's going to start giving us opportunities to give ourselves away one piece at a time. To give away our attention, to give away our time, our money, our comfort for the sake of someone else. I mean, if we want to save our life, we have to start giving it away. I mean, thank you so much for God for loving us enough to invite us to work alongside of him. Amen? And it is hard. It really is. It's not always easy. But sometimes what God does is he works through certain people to show us what it looks like to be sacrificial. It's consistent sometimes with people. Some people show us a steadiness. Some people show us a lived-out love without fanfare, without a lot of attention. It's it's love lived out by certain people that, that always trusts. They always show hope. They always persevere. They always protect. In our congregation, we have several people in here who show us this every day. And I wanted to highlight one person. Come on up, Brian. I wanted Brian to come up. Now, Brian will be the first one to tell you he is not perfect. Some of you know this firsthand. But what we also know is that you love our church family. And and I I wanted to honor you today. Because when I first read this parable, I thought about you. You're compassionate. You're a straight shooter. You don't see people um, in social classes. I mean, this is what's great about him is that it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. He's going to treat you the same. And that's not how the world works, right? But that's the kingdom of heaven talking right there. Um, when you, and this is what amazing, when people grumble to him, he still treats them like a friend. That's, I don't know how you do it. I'm still learning from you. Um, I know that you give people the benefit of the doubt. You've given me the benefit of the doubt. Um, but you've served this congregation for what, 27 years? 20, 25, and then missionary before that. And and you and Larissa both have just, you know, y'all have poured your life into this. So I have a couple things I want to give you. Okay, one of these is a towel, okay? Um, you want to forward that for me? Um, this is a, I'm calling this a servant's towel because it is kind of, I would say, the symbol of what it means to truly follow God. And you have served this congregation faithfully. You've served them well. And I want this to remind you of what it is you've been called to do. Uh, now and what God's still calling you to do because whatever's next you're not off the hook right (laughs) retirement is not stop serving right 
Um, but, but this is important, I think, for us to remember. Um, also, what I wanted to remind you, um, in John 15, there is a, a, about three verses. And it's 12 through 14, and this is what it says. It says, love each other as I have loved you. Jesus is talking. He says, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And he says this, you are my friends if you do what I command. And I've seen you do this so many times. I know you hate this attention. Mm -hmm. I've seen you do this so many times. And I've also seen other people serve because of what you've done. So what's happening is the love of God through you is creating more love and people who are willing to show that same type of love either. But it also says at the very end, it says, you are my friends if you do what I command. So what I've done is I have given you this, staff, elders, and it says this, uh, Brian Elliott, friend of God, beloved brother of Johnson Street, Church of Christ. This is olive wood, a full piece there, so hopefully you can display those to remind you of just how important you are in the kingdom of God. Um, thank you. I wanted to end this way because we're about to have a reception here in a moment, but I wanted to end because I think that there are people in your life who will show you what it looks like to serve. They'll show you how upside down the kingdom of God is. Because what's crazy is that no matter how much you give your life away, you're never going to lose it. It's crazy how it works. God is upside down kingdom. And so whatever you give away, God is going to replace in you something beautiful, part of himself. To one day, we will look just like him. So I want to pray for you. Now, usually we have our elders come up, but because this is a family, I just want us all to stand. And I want us all to pray for Brian and Larissa and his family. After this, we have got people in the room. If you need prayer, we will love to pray with you. Um, but now let's just pray to God on your own. I'm going to be praying for all of us, and let's lift up this family. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for my friend, for his family, for Larissa. Lord, for, for Ethan and Micah, Lord, for Karis and their families. Lord, we just thank you so much for his service and his time here. Lord, just how much we've seen God work through this man. And I pray that you would continue that work. Lord, help us to be reminded of what it means to serve and how to give ourselves away. Lord, we love you and we offer him to you and help us as we strive to do likewise. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.